What's up, guys? Week another episode of the Dry Heat Podcast with Q's and Hans. As always, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Mist, and uh, potential new sponsor, Wawa. Uh, huge. We had a falling out with a previous sponsorship. Uh, no, no talks on their end. So uh, we're on to the next. You know, that's how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Hansi, Hansi, listen, we're coming off uh, game four, Suns at Bucks, uh, six point L. Just, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm still heated about that, bro. I, uh, I actually had to leave. I was watching it in San Diego with my family, and uh, at halftime, I had to leave because I knew that things would be said and objects would be thrown, that my family would not see me in the same light afterwards. So I uh, quarantined myself to a different room and uh, watched it there by myself. And glad I did because that was an infuriating game to watch. I don't know. uh, How did you feel about it? Yeah, I would agree. Especially, uh, I think the best way to start, I guess, is touching on the good things, which is Booker's 42-point game. I mean, just an absolute monster game by Book. Didn't make a single three-pointer the entire game, over three from three, and still puts up 42. You just don't really see that in today's day and age. And so Book was just putting on a masterful performance the entire game. That was awesome to see. Every single shot he made was seemingly, like, the hardest shot possible also, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, dude, he came out absolutely on fire. He was a man on a mission. He couldn't miss, it seemed like. It was like every time he put the ball up, no matter how difficult of a shot, it was going in. It was wild. It was wild. So that that was awesome. And then Cam Johnson is a stud. Uh, yeah, I was about and, to say, yeah, that's another one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it goes back to you guys were hating on him earlier. And, you know, he just he just plays his game. He's so level. You know, when he makes his shots, obviously his impact is much more significant. But he just plays hard all the time, and there's nothing – like, he's such a stud. Yeah, dude, I've been impressed with him this entire series, too. Like, he played very well in the game yesterday, but he's done that this whole series, including that game three loss as well where he had that insane P.J. Tucker and one dunk, which might be the dunk of the year. I've been impressed with him this whole finals. I mean, just more of the story, like, the, the only big highlights that I saw yeah. of the Suns, book, 42-point game, I mean, just – you know, kind of a masterful, masterful, masterful performance, but more so because he had to be because no one else could really score. Um, helped out by Cam Johnson with 10 points. You know, even campaign here had a, a huge nine points, to be honest. And then Jay Crowder had a big first half for some threes. He ends the game with 15 points, which is actually a great Jay Crowder game overall, despite the three for nine shooting. But you, you touch on... The boys touched on, Bender touched on, everyone's touching on 17 turnovers for the Phoenix Suns. Led by Chris Paul with five, Devin Booker with four, Jay Crowder with three, DeAndre Ayton with two, Cam Johnson with two, and Campaign with one. So basically, literally every single player except for Torrey Craig and Mikhail Bridges, who never handled the ball, ball had a turnover. How does that make you feel right now? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot we can touch on in this game. I'm glad you brought up the good to start because Booker deserves the credit. Cam Johnson deserves the credit. They played incredible. 
the bad, there's a lot of it, and it comes from a lot. I think that we'll get into the officiating situation a little bit, but that's definitely not to say that the Suns didn't have their own shoot-themselves-in-the-foot moments in this game. And like you mentioned, like Bender mentioned, turnovers is a huge part of that. I don't know what it is during the regular season and even during this playoffs. We are a very good team about keeping the ball safe and not turning it over. That's one of our strengths. So to see that not be the case and even 17, like not even, you know, 10 to 15, 17 turnovers. It's like, how do you do that in an NBA finals game and expect to have a good result? That was awful. And most of it coming from Chris Paul in clutch moments, who's supposed to be your handler of the offense. I mean, he just had an off game all night and it was just capped off by that. I think there was something like 48 seconds left. We're only down by two. 30 seconds left. Yeah, and he goes for the switch onto Giannis. And it's tough to see exactly what happens. It looks like he might have slipped. It looks like he might have just lost his balance. But needless to say, unforced error, turnover, leads to Bucks two points, essentially <laughs> seals the game for the Bucks there. Uh, not to mention, yeah, and so, sorry, keep going with what you were saying, though. No, that that's pretty much it. It was like, yeah, that that capped off exactly how our night was going with Chris Paul turning it over with 30 seconds left at the most key possession of the game. Another thing I think that we did poorly aside from turnovers, which Bender also mentioned, offensive rebounding. I mean, we allowed them to get so many offensive rebounds and second chance points that it's disgusting. It seemed like every missed shot that they had when we stopped them and could either build a lead or get it back they would get the offensive board and go right back up with it with either a two or three. Uh, what did you see from your end on that? Our offensive rebounds were interesting uh, stat to point at because uh, we talked about last pod coming into this is that is the advantage that Milwaukee has. Like, and so obviously 17 to five is just kind of, you know, it's a mix of like, all right, guys, this is, they have an advantage, but, like, you need to do something. Like, you can't just, like, secede them to the point that, oh, you guys are bigger than us. You're just going to get every offensive rebound. But I also think vice versa. It's, like, th- that is their advantage. And so that doesn't surprise me at all. I wish it was, like, maybe three less rebounds. It would be less of a big deal, especially in a game decided by six points. Like, that very – six points – um, it's just so insignificant, especially when a lot of it came down to free throws at the end there um, before like that final two minutes or the final minute or so when we started fouling them. The free throws were actually basically the same. They were 19 to 22 before they got those last seven free throws late in the game when we were fouling to keep the game, you know, for those final minutes. And so rebounding, yeah, that's my thought. It's like that's their advantage, and they just play, they play well at home, clearly. Because Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday, another nothing game from Drew Holiday, four for twenty. That's he's so bad on offense. He can't. It's not even that he's like missing shots. He's like missing layups. But on the opposite end, he's absolutely decided to shut down Chris Paul, and it's working for them. And then Chris Middleton, big night. Um, has he figured something out with Mikhail Bridges? Is maybe a question going forward for the Suns and Monty, and also I guess for you. And then Giannis, you know, Giannis had to kind of, 
an average night for Giannis outside of the block and maybe like a few other things, a couple big rebounds here or there, which I guess coaches towards the offensive rebounding. Giannis had kind of like a good Giannis game, but like an average game for Giannis at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're about the team being bigger, so they have an advantage in the rebounding department there compared to us. So I'm okay with a little bit of a disparity. Well, we're just well, especially without Aiton on the floor, that's kind of where they do good on these massive rebounding runs. Is without Aiton on the floor, we're so small in comparison that, and I think this maybe even goes to show like maybe we're sleeping on the impact of Sarich on this team just for those like three to five minutes where he gets a few extra rebounds that maybe no one else can actually get on our team. Oh, yeah, I think the Sarch injury does matter. but And you're right, when Aiden goes down, our rebounding goes out. It's like we rely on him to get every single board. But I still just don't like how we're playing because we, we aren't boxing out at all. I don't care if they're bigger than you. Yeah, they're going to get a couple of those tip-up-to-themselves rebounds that only the big guys can get. But what I see is us standing there watching as Chris Middleton or whoever it is on the Bucks jacks up a shot. We just all stop, stand there, watch the ball, and then it bounces right to the team that's actually hustling and trying for these rebounds. Put a body on somebody, at least make it difficult, decrease the amount of second-chance points, and that could be the difference in a game like that. Yeah, I, def- I definitely agree. But do you think that's an effort thing? Do you think that's a scheme thing? Do you think the boys just weren't ready to play? Do you think the young like do you think the Bucks just came out, you know, maybe the, the Suns were ready to play and the Gian, and then Giannis and the Bucks came out just even more so? Like what do you think that w- was mostly? No, I think the the effort was fine. I think they came ready to play. It's something that I've watched us do pretty much all season. So it's not like this new, oh, they're just not trying. We just never boxed out. And I don't know if it's you know, I'm sure Monty hounds them on it. I don't think it's a lack of them being told that. I just don't know what it is. They just never seem – I don't know if they're just used to the big guys getting the boards, but it's like these guards and these wings put a – shot goes up, find the guy near him. And it's just been a, a struggle, and it, it really reared its head in game four there more than it has any other game this far, I think. So I don't think it's an effort thing, but I just think it's something that we need to figure out and – and get on top of if we want to keep this thing going in our favor. Okay. So outside of um, – and then what do you think of Chris Paul? What do you think of Chris Paul's game? Do you think Drew Holiday shutting it down? Or do you feel like Chris Paul – is? do you think he's injured, like a lot of people are saying right now? Do you think he, his wrist is acting up? Or do you think he just had another bad game, you know, similar to coming back in those three Clippers games before his offensive explosion in game six – basically will this into the finals. Do you think it's just, you know, what do you think it is with him? I mean, his wrist bothering him or his hand is bothering him, but I, I'm not going to blame it on that. He had a phenomenal game one. He clearly can do it. And, yeah, Drew Holiday can have some good defensive moments and is known as a defensive guy, but I don't even think it's him. You know, I don't think he's getting under his skin or causing all these problems. A lot of those turnovers and bad plays – we're just unforced errors where Chris Paul goes and jumps up and just throws it to another defender trying to make some weird cross-court pass. And it just it did not look like the Chris Paul we're used to seeing. I'm chalking it up to just a bad game, and it was a really bad game. And I, I know he knows that more than anybody. He talked about it post-game. So I think he'll adjust. I think that he back 
into his rhythm. I don't think it's like an injury thing that's going to plague him. I think he just had a one-off bad game, and we hopefully won't see that again the rest of the series. What about you? Uh, I'm kind of torn, honestly. Like, I feel like Chris Paul has the superpowers to overcome anything. Like, as we saw in Game 6 against the Clippers, like, I think part of this game's problem was he knew he had to get Devin Booker going early in this game for us to have a chance. And by the time it kind of came around, and he just knew he had to get the team hot. So when he does that, he comes out and looks for the assists early. And that kind of, like, it throws him off his scoring games. So, like, when he comes out and focuses on getting everyone else going early, he sometimes, like, and definitely in this game, he doesn't get himself going enough to where it's like, yeah, Drew Holiday's on him and he's a really physical defender. And honestly, Drew Holiday is probably the best guard defender in the entire league. Um, if you really look at the st- – like, if you just look at it, like, he's, he's an all-NBA defender. He's a legit – lockdown point guard defender. So I think it's partly Chris Paul not getting himself going at the expense of getting everyone else going, which he clearly did for the most part. Uh, DA three for nine. I don't really know what to do with that because I've never seen him score so low. But Jay Crowder in the first half was hitting threes, and he had open looks for most of the game with his three-pointers. Um Mikhail Bridges just didn't really shoot. He just becomes so timid. I'm not really sure what's happening with him either. I think he just doesn't want to shoot the ball right now. And so, but regardless, with Chris Paul specifically, he didn't get himself going. He tried to get everyone else going. And by the time it was like, okay, Chris Paul needs to take over this game, he just, he wasn't there yet. He wasn't in that part of his game. He wasn't swinging the momentum. But I do think Drew Holiday being really physical with him is a big part of the reason why. He, like, is getting so, so like, slowed down. And these unforced errors, which are just so uncharacteristic of Chris Paul, like, if I had to point to something that's correlating to that, it would be Drew Holiday's extremely physical defense is getting in Chris Paul's head a little bit. I, I could see that. I, I definitely agree with you that Drew Holiday is a great defender. I just think when you look at what Chris Paul has been able to do before – game like this, I just don't see that all of a sudden Drew Holiday's turning it on and Chris Paul's just off his rhythm. I really think, and maybe this is just me wishfully thinking, I really think it was just a one-off bad game. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I do not think that this is a, going to continue for Chris Paul, because like we said in the Clippers game, like, he'll have a few bad games. Like, everyone has bad games at some point, right? And I'm not really too concerned about this game at all. Chris Paul's one turnover was massive and swung all the momentum into the Bucks' favor there at the end. Like, that is just a critical turnover. And it clearly, like, if that goes a different way, like, we still have a chance. And it just doesn't, and that ends the game, basically. And so Chris Paul gets looked at a lot more, and he just he didn't really have a good game. But that seven assists could have easily been 11 or 12 if other guys were making their shots. And so I, I don't think he had, like, a bad game. He just didn't have, like, a good game, if that makes sense. Or I, shouldn't I, say, I don't think he had, like, a catastrophic game, I should say. But he did not have, like, a Chris Paul, like, solid game, I guess would be a better way to phrase it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll disagree. I think it was a catastrophic game. I think 
there's a lot of things the team did wrong and you never pin it on one guy because like we mentioned turnovers the rebounding poor shooting from some like yeah it, it was a team loss in that regard but i think that you can hang most of this loss on cp3 which should also be a testament to how good he is because you're right it wasn't you know zero points 10 turnovers like he still did some good things and was positive in some regards for the team but when you have a guy like chris paul the point god and you expect a performance that really that you think is going to happen pretty much every night with chris paul when he doesn't meet that and not only doesn't meet it but falls far below it and has costly turnovers at pivotal moments i would classify that as catastrophic relative to what we usually see out of cp3 yeah okay i mean if you want to i i agree like that critical turnover ended the sun's chances but i just i'm just saying more like assists are based off other guys making shots and he had seven assists and so you got to think like he probably could have something like 12 or 13 assists in this game. And if he's hitting you 10 points, 12 assists, like that's a Chris Paul, like solid game. And so I, I like, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying like over his overall game, definitely Chris Paul was not Chris Paul last night though. I think everyone who was watching can agree with that. I'm just saying more of like Chris Paul, very specifically is not the only reason we lost, but he could have been the reason we did win. Which is what you're saying. So I, I agree with that in general. Um, is there anything else that stands out to you? Does DeAndre Ayton going three for nine from the field goals with six points and five assists stand out to you at all? Yeah, Ayton didn't have a great shooting night. Um, he did track down, I think, like 17 rebounds, and he played solid defense. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass on the offensive end of things. You really do want to see more involvement there. but like you said, some other guys were hitting their threes, so I don't think our offense suffered because he wasn't scoring 20 points. Um, I think that would have helped us, but I think he he did what he needed to do, and he'll just need to clean up some of those shots because he did miss a couple of good looks, uh, like tip-back shots that usually fall for him. Uh, in terms of anything else that I, that I saw that stood out to me, I mean, if you want to get into it, we can get into it. The, yeah, real, uh, real quick before we get into what you're about to get into, I just want to point out, like, Milwaukee at home played so much differently than they did in Phoenix. So the first two games of the series, so hustle stats are, like, points off turnover, second chance points, fast break points. So basically just, like, did you make a good play? Did you get out and hustle? Did you get out to the rim? Um, first two games in Phoenix, points off turnovers, plus one and a half towards Phoenix. Second chance points, plus zero. Nobody was favored. Fast break points, plus three and a half to Milwaukee. So Milwaukee was still hustling hard. In the last two games, points off turnovers are plus 13 for Milwaukee. Second chance points are plus 15 for Milwaukee. And fast break points are plus 12 and a half for Milwaukee. A big part of that is a few things, but I just will say, like, Milwaukee at home has been a completely different team. Not only Giannis, not only... Chris Middleton with massive games, but even just the role players actually making shots like Pat Connaughton having 11 points and nine rebounds, like what? And so, uh, but now let's get into what you're about to talk about. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had to know this was coming. I think it's fair that we dissected our own team problems first because 
it wouldn't be fair to let them off the hook for well, that. Okay. So, all right, one more thing. Sorry, no, I will. Say, I will say just before we get into this, um, is that the Suns, the Suns, if they had four less turnovers in this game, if they had three more rebounds, if the Bucks had a few less rebounds, if you make a, if Jay Crowder makes a few more shots at three, like it's just losing a game by six points. If Chris Paul doesn't turn that ball over, if DeAndre Ayton doesn't get blocked by Giannis there, like, we win this game. And so I just feel like a lot of this game losing is the Suns lost it more than the Bucks won it, and there was plenty of opportunity to win this game for the Phoenix Suns. But go ahead. I, I do agree with you. It, it was way more of a Suns loss than a Bucks win. Um, honestly, it was way more of an Adam Silver win than a Suns loss or a Bucks win because Hughes, the officiating, I mean, the officiating is always somewhat suspect in the NBA. I think most people agree they're like the most hated official crew, worse than umpires, worse than NFL referees, worse, worse than hockey refs. Um, but the officiating this game was absolute dumpster fire. I can't – I mean, I, I get mad at myself for ever believing that they're not going to fuck up a game or call bad calls – but when I'm watching this game, seeing the types of fouls that they call and at the moments that they call them and putting Devin Booker in foul trouble when I think half his fouls were not touched at all, just somebody barreling into him and going up with a shot, it's just hard to watch. And, you know, I, I get that there's a lot more to it and we have calls that go our way and that's just the nature of officiating. But when it is as lopsided as I've seen it, especially these last couple games, Milwaukee, it just absolutely disgusts me and it makes me not want to watch and not enjoy watching these games. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, the, first, the easiest way to look at this is go look at Aiden's first two fouls of the game, what they, what they call fouls on Aiden which is just the stupidest things. I've ever, like, you could easily say that if Aiton was ref the same way that Giannis is ref, Aiton would have maybe one foul in either game. Like, it's such a graphic disparity. And I, I will just say, like, overall, the refs last night were just absolute garbage. Like, one of the worst things I've ever seen, to the point where you literally have people on Twitter – saying that they should bring in the FIBA refs, which I would agree with because there's just – it's so bad. Like, I, I, there's really only so much you can say. But even, like, Booker clearly fouled out at that. I mean, he just did. Like, he intentionally fouled Drew Holiday, and they didn't toss him out of the game. And it's like, okay, literally, you guys are just absolute garbage. And it's not even – it definitely – it definitely was going both ways to a degree, but for three quarters of the game, it was all against the Suns. And then maybe in like the last three minutes, once the Bucks were like making a run, there was like a few things that didn't go the Bucks' way, which was like you know Booker not fouling out. Not that that really mattered. Um, but then on the vice versa, you can see on that the one play, Giannis's foot isn't all the way back where he inbounds the pass to Middleton when Middleton goes and scores real quick. Uh, or Middleton, um, that when they try to trap Middleton there, and they get like a cheap, like they were trying to trap him, and they called a foul. And so yeah. the rest were just so bad, like just in general, it was so hard to watch. 
And like, like you just said, like, this is why I normally don't watch the NBA overall because it's just whack, dude. Like, if you're the NBA, you have to be so embarrassed. And, or maybe just nobody notices this except for the two teams playing and their fans. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when you see it trending on Twitter, though, and it's other other people watching who aren't involved in, like, you know, you know, it's an issue. And I mean, there's so many examples you can point to. You you named a couple, I think, especially on Aiton. Like the way Aiton, he already has a task trying to guard Giannis, and they just don't help because he either has to allow Giannis to just barrel through him and dunk it over him, or if he stands there, if he stands there and keeps his ground with his hands straight up, they're still going to call foul anyway. It's like, what do you do? And it's just, it's so hard to watch. It's so annoying to watch. You know, I wish that the bro, NBA didn't. Bro, these fouls on Aiden, just to make it even like more, like it's so much more egregious than the way you just made it sound. Like he literally will be standing in front of Giannis with his hands in the air and walking backwards as Giannis is driving at him. And Giannis will lean his shoulder in to create contact, which there is no contact to create. And they will still call a foul. Or, or on top of that, last night Giannis literally swung his elbow into Aiden's chest. And they call the foul on eight. It's like, dude, what game are you watching that that is a foul? There's no foul there. There's not even like, oh, like, oh, they went like a ticky-tack foul, like James Harden, where like you can swipe and get the guy's arm in there. And then the three, like literally those are more legitimate fouls than the fouls that they were calling on DeAndre in this game. And in the game before that. It's hilariously awful. And there, there was a play, too, where Giannis was driving. Aiton went straight up. He missed the sh- Giannis missed the shot. The baseline ref is standing right there. Does not blow the whistle. We get the rebound and are about to turn up and you know run a fast break transition play. And the ref from half court blows his whistle late to call the foul on Aiton. The dude that wasn't even there watching the play overrides the ref that was on the baseline seeing the play as it happens. And, of course, there's no contact there. I mean, it, it's just egregious. I don't know how Aiton can even stand being in there because it's like, how do you play defense when you can't even be touched like at all? You breathe on Giannis, it's a foul. You you stand it's your impossible, ground, it's foul. It's it's impossible to play defense when you're getting called for a soft foul call, a ticky-tack foul call, when literally you have a guy the size of Giannis charging full speed, 100%, at you and the dude is literally shoving people out of his way to get to the rim guys that are much much smaller than him that are literally taking they are going further than Giannis does when he falls from the rim to the ground and you're calling it because he Aiden like Giannis put his elbow into Aiden it's like yo okay so is Giannis literally just unguardable is that how we're refing Giannis right now? Because that's what—that's legitimately what they're doing. And then it's just silly. I feel like I wouldn't even complain that much if they just didn't call the fouls on Aiden because it's just so bad. And I think it's even uh, – the, the reason why it stands out to Suns fans is because of that dynamic of Giannis just getting all these calls and Aiden just – Aiden doesn't really play foul defense. He doesn't play, like, super aggressive, like, let me block this out of the stands – defense he just goes up he goes up and that's like fundamentally sound defense like there should be no foul there and so that direct juxtaposition just makes it so clear to Suns fans where it's just like all right 
This is Dude. bullshit. Because Aiton, and the other thing is too, is like Aiton is our most valuable player in this series. Like he's the most critical to success with the Suns, which even exaggerates exaggerates it more already on top of the direct comparison. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a stat. Giannis himself in the first three games, so not including last night, had attempted 48 free throws. The Suns as a team had attempted 54. Like, in what world does that seem remotely appropriate or okay? That's just pathetic. And it actually kind of leads into, I, I uh, gave a little preview shout-out in the group me earlier that I had a hot take about Giannis that I was saving for the pod. And I think this is a good transition. I don't think Giannis Attentacupo is good at basketball. I think he is an athletic freak stud who I'll give him credit. I mean, he can do things that I didn't think were humanly possible. And he may be like another species because of it. But I don't think he's good at basketball. He can't shoot. He can't make a ton of plays. All he can do is barrel through people, get the refs to call fouls, and he takes 20 free throws a game. I think he is an, an amazing athlete and a shit basketball player. And that's my hot take. Yeah, I listen, I, I don't know that I disagree with you that much, honestly, because I really feel like just as easily as Giannis scoring 40 points in this series that he could have also fouled out in the first half of every single one of these games. If he wasn't a two-time MVP and like the, you know, the main superstar on the Bucks, I could, and if he was just like a six guy on the bench, for example, I think he fouls out of every single one of these games within the first half. It's so bad. I think he's like LeBron James light, except for he can't, as he drives, he can't really dish to an open guy which then, you know, if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday really aren't going, they're just not open to be making shots. And I think that's the – I so I agree with you. Like, I would not want Giannis on my team. But he is a no. freak. I mean, that block was insane. Um, yeah. His and, athletic ability is insane. He's a freak. But in terms of basketball skill, he has none. Yeah, I mean – I wish I thought that take went harder, honestly. But I, I, I really don't like the way Giannis plays basketball. And this is probably my first time really watching Giannis ever play basketball because, like, who watches the books? Which they're probably saying about the Suns. But, like, it's just more of the way they play is so Giannis-centric that their best games are when Giannis, like, isn't scoring 40 points. So it's just weird, man. I, I really don't like the way you play basketball at all. I actually really dislike it. No, it's, you it's, it's literally the poor man's version of LeBron James basketball. Yeah, he's the new LeBron James. You breathe on him and it's a foul. It's absurd. Yeah, but at least with like LeBron, I, and that's kind of where I, even I draw a distinction there. Because if Giannis was getting like LeBron type fouls, I would be like, okay, like you know what? It's LeBron. Like, like because I always, like I even almost see, see like the point of like Giannis will get some superstar calls. Like, that's, you know, like, Booker's gotten a few. Like, there's, you know, these things happen as the NBA Finals. But when it's so dramatically called differently to the point where it's, like I said, like, it should be an offensive foul and they're calling it on the defense. Or it should just be a no call, honest and all realistically. But it's more of an offensive foul than a defensive foul and they're getting the call to Giannis. It's like, okay, this is not LeBron James. This is not Kevin Durant. Like, this is not James Harden. This is Giannis, dude. 
Like what? Like what is this bullshit? This is bullshit. Yeah, like in no shade at Giannis, but like it's like you're not you're not that you're not that guy. Like this, like why are you getting these calls? Like I I don't know, I don't know. So I'm no. with you 100. percent I don't even think it's that hot of a take. Um, but I just and that's and I think what it comes down to is the Suns really just lost that game, and I think Aiton getting in foul trouble. I mean, oh, it screws us, and that's exactly what the big problem with the refs is. Is that Aiden getting in foul trouble totally screws everything about our game plan right now, which I think will have to be addressed in the offseason, regardless of how this finals turns out. Don't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. We need to get somebody besides Frank Kaminsky there for when Aiden needs rest or is in foul trouble. I agree. Like you almost you don't even need like you just need like a big body. Like someone yeah. on, like people were saying like Andre Drummond or whatever. Um, who just uh, would is a math like one of the best rebounders ever, even though he can't do really much of anything else. But I was even thinking like, you know, if you just had a big dude like Nerlens Noel, like someone who really can't do anything except for a big body and do some basic layup stuff and some alley oops, like that would massively change this team, and especially right now where you see it the most. I I agree with you, man. But yeah, like like we said the. Suns did nothing to help them. The refs made it even worse and more egregious. We lost the game. It's frustrating because when you go up 3-1, the series is all but over. Like it's you over. had a chance. Like I said, you you can't lose. We did not lose the series. I know a lot of people are pressing the alert button because they just won two in a row and the series is tied now. But the series is tied now. It's still 2-2. You did not lose the series last night. You What you did lose was the chance to make it over you lost the chance to end the series in all but name and now you have to come back for a critically huge game five instead of it being a closeout chance to celebrate it's a you have to win this game now um and so i see monty making adjustments i see us making adjustments coming back home hopefully we get a little more struggle from the bucks like they have on the road this this playoffs and even earlier this finals um because right now the momentum's with them so I want to see the Suns come out much better. I want to see Chris Paul come out better, and I just want us to. I don't want. I don't want it to be a good game. Just blow them out of the water like we did the Lakers game five in round one, and reset the tone of this finals. Remind everyone that the Phoenix Suns are the best team in basketball, and they deserve to take the finals. I like that, but I, I I'll just push back on this. Like uh, I don't even think that this is a series yet. Like obviously it's tied up right now, but the home teams won every game. Like, so, I do – I mean, obviously, we can't lose game five. I think that's a given. I, I really don't know what the adjustment is for Monty, though, um, outside of Chris Paul playing better. Because, you know, like, for like when, when they asked him the eight in question, which he clapped back on, and deservingly so, because that was a total bullshit question. Like, ESPN is becoming more and more like political media every single day, and it's so annoying. Um, like Aiden, what is Aiden supposed to do, man? Like, is he allowed to play defense on Giannis or not? Because if no, not, like, not. then we're gonna put. We should just put campaign in the center, get him to try to take charges, and then just you know, or even Javon Carter, dude. Like, just send like, and that's kind of you know, Monty would never do that, but you know, if it's a win at all costs type of situation, we got some guys on the bench, you know, that can be launched as missiles. Um, 
but I would just say like a pushback on like, I don't really know what the adjustments are outside of like reduced turnovers and Chris Paul have a better game. I'm not really like well frustrated with that loss. And that was a game that, you know, in previous series we had clinched. And I really thought like we would have, like, this is how I saw the series going. I just didn't know that we were going to have 17 turnovers in game four. Like that's crazy. But that's a game we should have won, and it should be 3-1 coming back home. But since it's not, the Bucks didn't really win that game. We more have lost that game. I expect us to clean up the turnovers. I expect Chris Paul, even just even if he gets, like, 15 and has, like, 10 assists, like, that's that's all you really need from Chris Paul. He just needs to show up. And game five, Suns dub. I just – yeah, I don't really see it going any way, other way. Like, back home, in the crowds, role players will play better. Mikael Bridges will play better. I think there is maybe a worry that Middleton has figured out Mikael Bridges. That could be an adjustment that needs to be made. But other than that, we contained Giannis. Chris Middleton was forced into tough shots for the most part. Drew Holiday didn't score. And they just – yeah. And so – I don't know. Do you no, feel? But now it's like now it's tied up, and so it's best of three. We have two games at home. Like, how confident do you feel with me saying that to you? I felt more confident going on lead, where it's a best of just gotta win one of the next three. But yeah, we still have home court advantage. We're still the better team. I think we just need to regroup and, like I said, reset the tone of the series. And honestly, you know what? Let's not even have a two-home game mentality. Let's win game five and then win it on the road in game six. Meet us back at the airport as champions. I like that. I like that. I'm just, you know, best two of three, it's like, yeah, man. I just, I think we kind of cracked the code on the Bucks in game four. We just didn't finish it like we should have. But yes. I feel like in previous series, like, like what you're saying, like to the point of Chris Paul, maybe like how you're describing his catastrophic game, because that's a game that Chris Paul all year has won for us by himself. You know, like where he just is like, I'm going to make the right play here. I'm going to not lose this ball right now. And I'm going to, we would have finished that game almost any other day. So I don't know. I'm kind of thrown off by that. I don't really think he had a bad game, but the Suns really didn't play that well. And we still should have won the game. I mean, Chris Paul is a warrior, though, at the same time. Like, everything he's gone through. So, I'm not ready to give up on them yet. I expect to bounce back. Game five, Saturday. It just – it can be no other way, you know. It has to be Suns victory at home. Yeah. my It's my last night in Phoenix, too, before I moved down for med school. So, get a Suns W, and then we go chugging with the fellas. Chugging with the fellas. I like that. I like that. All right. Baseball's back. Otani's a – Stud McGregor's a wiener. The open look for the long shots, and you know, great game by Italy. PKs are brutal, and he just broke the world of sports, the major news in like 15 to 20 seconds flat. I'm here for it, man. Brooks Kepka, you know, I don't know. There's uh, yeah, the open's gonna be wild, dude. I saw a picture of uh, uh, Justin Thomas in the, the high grass, it was. It was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. <laughs> so, Cheer for the so. course. But, yeah, Brioski. All right, man. Any other thoughts for the boys before we get on out of here and you can get back to that beach? 
not it just like I said, remember when you're experiencing these these uh tough games like we are when it doesn't go your way, just remember where we were at and we're in the finals two two with the home court advantage still in our presence. So keep the dream alive. I like that. I do this. I think it's such an interesting time right now for the Phoenix Suns because, like, obviously, we are the better team. It feels like we're the better team. And even watching, like, we clearly are the better team, which is why I feel like people are kind of deflated about game four. Is like that, that's a Suns victory, like, any day except for today, apparently. So you got to take advantage of the opportunity. It's there for the boys to have. And I feel confident, man. I'm definitely disappointed, but I feel good going into game five. Like, I think we're going to kick some ass. I love it, bro. I love it. Let's get out of here. Yeah, man, you absolutely killed it. Uh, I hope the boys appreciate all that all that input Be because uh, we love covering it. We do, man. We do it for the boys, though. And, uh, well, and Alex Sanity as well. True. So, it's my weekly therapy session instead of paying for a counselor. <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. But, uh, <laughs> all right, boys. As always, uh, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Mist. We'll get back in the talks with Hensley. The oh, yeah, bars are just too good to give up on them. And, uh, Alec, you're a beast, dude. You absolutely killed it, bro. Peace. Peace.